Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. It was a wonderful and joyous celebration last weekend um, to celebrate Easter, and it's such a a great kind of the whole festival across the days of Holy Week and Easter, all the different liturgies, all the different stuff going on. And whether you were here or whether you celebrated that elsewhere or whether you celebrated that with us online, I, I hope you too found it such a joyful experience. And it, I think it was a real sign of, of the community all coming together because there's so many different aspects of those liturgies, so many little bits that need to happen um, from, you know, the the things that need to be prepared before the liturgies or the cuppa afterwards or all these different things. Um, so many people contributed to make it such a beautiful celebration. But there was one thing out of all the celebrations last week that didn't quite go as planned, um, and this wasn't anybody's fault, so I'm not, not poking fun at anybody, um, but one thing that didn't quite go to plan, and it was, it was the wind's fault. We'd started our Easter vigil last Saturday night out in the schoolyard, um, in the dark, and then the Easter fire was there, the fire was blessed, and then the candle was lit from the fire, and the procession formed and began, we began making our way to the church, then we tried to light everybody's candles. (laughs) And I think up until this point, nobody had noticed that the wind was blowing, um, probably because it was so warm, so if it was cold like this, you'd notice the wind, because you'd be pulling your jackets tight against it, but I hadn't noticed the wind certainly up until that point, but then everyone's trying to light their tapers, their little candles off the Easter candle, um, and within seconds, they're all just getting blown out. Um, The more I think about it, um, the more I think it was a miracle that the Paschal candle itself didn't blow out. That would have been a bit of a tragedy. But I think there's a good image there for us of our Easter experience that we don't want the joy and the excitement of last week to be like our little candles like a burst of excitement, a weekend of joy, and then it goes out straight away. Um, We can go through Easter weekend and then we can go back to back to life, whatever we can, it can get flooded by the the chocolate or the joy of holidays or just kind of back to the mundane busyness of life and that experience can be blown out straight away. But Really, what Easter is about, it's meant to change our lives. We're meant to encounter the resurrection um, and the joy of that moment, and it should make us act differently, live in a different way after encountering that grace. Um, So, we want to help you all. We want to do this as a community, not just let Easter be where it was last weekend, but move forward in that grace and as we began dwelling on the theme of looking to Jesus last week, we want to take up that, series, uh, that theme over the next five weeks through this Easter season that Father Dan mentioned um, to help you build a life that looks to Jesus, to help you take up this Easter experience and live in a new way because of it. Um, live in a new way that looks towards Jesus. Live in such a way that your life can be centred upon Jesus. Um, and we want to do that both as a community and in each of our individual lives. So, five weekends we have, we're going to look at five different pillars of the Christian life, five things that we think are 
essential for you to have in your life. If you're going to live a life that looks towards Jesus, a life that's really centered on Him, then these things need to be in place in your life. So we're going to talk about prayer, we're going to talk about growth and discipleship, we're going to talk about worship, we're going to talk about service and mission. And each of these, each of these areas, are like they could have a 10-week series on themselves each, and they still wouldn't be exhausted. So they're big areas to cover. Um, we just want to tap into the why, why this is essential for us, why it's so important that we get these things in place in our lives, but we also want to give you a little uh, kickstart, some, something practical that you can do to, to start putting this in place in your life, something that you can grab hold of and, and take forward. Um, so if you're all right with that, we're going to kick into this series. Does that sound like a good plan? You want to come along for the journey? <laughs> cool. Our first step then, our first week, our first essential pillar in our life that looks towards Jesus is community. We must have committed community in which we live our faith to be able to live in such a way that Jesus is at the center of our life. Um, and why is this so essential? I think we can come back to this moment of when we were trying to light our candles and the wind was blowing against us and the wind was just taking away that flame as quick as it had been lit. Because while, we're, while we were out there waiting to light our candles, nobody had noticed that the wind was blowing. I think much the same, we can be trying to live our faith in the world and not be aware of another force that's, that's blowing and threatening to extinguish our faith. The force of the culture of our society. Culture is such a strong force, it, it, it infiltrates kind of everything that we do. It's, it's, it shapes the way that you know, our conversations go, the way we engage with people, the way we do all these sorts of things. And in many, many ways, the culture of our wider society is not conducive to Christian faith. Um, it's opposed in many ways to the values, the sense of tradition, the idea of faith, um, ethics and morality. Um, in so many different ways, that could be a whole series on itself. But we can't afford to ignore this force of culture that's when we're, we're living in the world, necessarily, we can't not live in the world, but this force is blowing against us. Um, and no matter how committed we are to the values and the decisions of our faith, um, we won't be able to hold on to them against that, that wind that's just blowing gently around us that we might not even notice. So, how was it that, I'm sure some of you were at the vigil, some of you might not have been, but who at the vigil can tell me, how did we get our candles lit in the end? Do we know? What, what was our strategy? How did, how did we end up getting everybody's candles lit? Hmm? We came inside. We couldn't do it out there in the wind, so we came into the church, and then everybody was able to share the light, and the candles blazed, and we had a church full of beautiful shining lights. So, just the same, rather than being out amongst the elements, our, our little flame of faith alone being buffeted by the wind of the culture of the world, we place ourselves in the church so that we, our, our faith can, can keep alight. And it's not only that that image kind of speaks of we're being protected by the walls that are around us. We don't only want to kind of put up walls in our Christian community so that we're blocking out 
the forces of the world around us, you know, we block out the world because we don't like it or whatever. It's not only about that, but in the church and in a Christian community, we have a culture of our own. Any group of people that comes together forms its own culture. And this is the critical thing about being part of a Christian community for our faith, because we, we here um, at St. Benedict's or in whatever Christian community you can be a part of, there's a culture that will hopefully encourage and foster faith, that will encourage and foster each of, each of these elements that I was talking about, um, that we're going to be looking at over these next weeks. The culture of the church should be a place where you're encouraged to grow in those areas um, so that you can be encouraged to continue living this life and strengthened in living this life that looks towards Jesus. So, how can we then build a community with that sort of culture that actually that will strengthen us and enable each one of us to live that sort of life? We're not the first people to have asked that sort of question. The church has, from the very beginning, wanted to build itself up in such a way that it fosters faith and fosters communion and builds up its members. Uh, and we have in our first reading today one of the earliest descriptions of what a Christian community looks like. Um, and Luke gives us this description in the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, he mentions it a couple of times, um, these descriptions of what the community was like. And I think he's not only describing it for the sake of telling the story of this is what these guys were like at the time, but he gives us this description of what a Christian community looks like so that we can build our Christian communities around this so that we have a blueprint, as it were, for what Christian community should look like such that it does foster our faith such that it does empower us to live this life centred on Jesus that we want to live. So, just want to unpack what this reading says for us briefly. First thing that it says is that there was an order and a structure in the community, that it wasn't just like a bunch of people who happened to kind of meet on a street corner and happened to have some interests or whatever, but they were ordered around the teaching of the apostles and there was authority and structure those sorts of things, which is essential in our Christian community because the, the Christian community offers us something. It's not just a random group of people to come together, but that the structure and kind of... Yeah, the structure. I'm just going to keep saying structure. <laughs> um, means that we can offer you the, the resources, the pathway, the opportunities to live out your faith um, to grow in these different areas um, so that as, as we talk about prayer and service and worship and mission and all these different things, hopefully the Christian community can actually have some resources and programs or whatever it is so that you can grow in these areas because um, otherwise you're, you're wanting to grow in discipleship and the only resource you've got is YouTube, you know, that probably will lead you astray. Um, the other significant thing about the, the structured, ordered part of community is that we come together to worship, and that's a key part of who we are. When we gather for the Eucharist, it's really the, the essential moment of our being Christian. And that's not something that we do alone. It's, it's not an accident that we, we come together for Eucharist on Sunday as a community, as that tangible expression of the communion that God gives us that we're drawn to be together and we're, we're strengthened and built up by the bonds that we share here. 
The next element of, of how Luke describes the church is that he says the believers were united in heart and soul. Now, the grace of being Christian is exactly the grace of belonging to God, the grace of belonging in a place of being loved um, and in a relationship not only with God but with, within the family of God, within that family of all of our Christian brothers and sisters. So the Christian community is that place for us where we can experience the love of God, not only through prayer and through that direct relationship, but also through the relationships around us, through our brothers and sisters, through the welcoming, accepting nature of the community. Um, And we can also share and witness that. We can live out that love that God calls us to for one another, that unity that he talks about. And I think it's important to note that the, the church community relationships that God calls us to are not just to come together and pray with one another, but God wants us to do life together in ordinary everyday things as well, like, you know, watching the footy together or going for walks together or going shopping together or going out for dinner or whatever. Um, I think it would be a great lack if, if the relationships we had with the people in our church community were we only chatted to them when we were at church or we only spoke to them when we needed prayer for something. Um, but there's, a, there's a, a natural human wholeness in sharing ordinary, secular stuff with one another as well. And the final thing that I wanted to pick up of what Luke mentions is that no one was ever in want in this community. Now, how could they possibly know that no one was ever in want in the community? How could they know that no one was in want? I think it tells us that they actually, they knew everyone in the community. That doesn't mean that the the leader of the community had a list of everybody's names, but that everyone in the community was known by someone. Because if we really belong to a Christian community, then they're going to know when we're in need. They're going to know when we're even in sharing in our joys and that. Um, It doesn't mean that everybody in the community knows everybody, because even in a parish this size, which isn't huge by parish standards, we can't all know everybody, um, and the priests certainly can't know everybody's names. Um, but somebody should know you. And if, if we would go to a family gathering um, and somebody was missing, you would know that they were missing. And you might, you know, give them a call or say, where were you? What's wrong? Can we help? But if, if somebody doesn't rock up at church, do we notice? Do we know, do we know them Um, because they're a part of our community. Does somebody know them or or are they just going to disappear and we won't see them again? And just the same, if even if a visitor came into your family household, um, even if it was, you know, a friend of your child or a friend of one family member or something, um, you're probably still going to introduce yourself and say hi. Uh, not, Not like just let them come in and chill out on the couch for a while and then leave without ever getting to know their name. So... The Christian community is supposed to be a place where we can be known and where that that welcome extends to really caring for people and wanting to know their names. This is why um, you all had name tags written up when you walked in the church this morning. For those at home, we want to know your names too if you're live streaming, um, but we don't know how to mail out um, name tags for you. That might have been a bit difficult. (laughs) But this is just one little way that we can show just this weekend that we want to 
be in relationship with one another. We care about one another's names, the person sitting next to us on the pew. And because this is the kind of community that we want to be at St. Benedict's, worshipping together, loving one another together in such a way that it builds up our faith, um, really united in the love of God and really caring for one another. So if, if having name tags on means that you can maybe take that step and talk to somebody you don't know after Mass today, or maybe that means that you can talk to somebody who you do know but you've forgotten their name, um, then that's one step closer to some real community that we're building here. Um, and I don't want to oblige you to talk to somebody in the foyer afterwards, but that might be nice. But the real invitation I want to give today is that you need to have a place, a community where you call home, where you call your spiritual home. Now, you might be regular St. Benedict's parishioners and this might be your home, which is wonderful. Um, But then I would challenge you not only to grow and partake of what we have here as a community, but I invite you into the task that we have of making St. Benedict's the kind of community where people can come and encounter the love of God, where people can come and be encouraged in their faith and built up. So that's not just our job, the staff and the priests, but you're all a part of making this community that kind of Christian community that we want it to be. But I'm also conscious that we've got visitors here today. We've got people joining us on the live stream, people from who knows where or what country. Um, You might be visiting family or whatever reason has brought you into the church today. If you have a place where you are at home, whether a parish or whatever other community, then I'd encourage you, tap into that, contribute to it, take up those opportunities that hopefully that community gives you to grow in your discipleship. But if you don't, if you know, perhaps you're new to faith or new to church or perhaps you've um, moved and had to leave your community or searching for somewhere new, or, then I'd encourage you to think seriously about where you want to put down your roots and find a home whether that's at St. Benedict's or whether that's wherever else you're going to find that, that community and that nurturing so that you can live out this life that's centered on Jesus. I encourage you to, to find somewhere. You don't need to decide today um, if you're trying to find where your home is. Um, it's not a small decision, but it is essential if you want to live this life, live a life that's actually focused on Jesus, to have a place to call home, a community of brothers and sisters around you where you can encounter the love of God, where you can worship together and be formed, and where somebody can know your name just as your Heavenly Father has written your name on the palm of his hand. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.